I am thinking about pursuing a counseling training career, and I had some questions. One of which is, how have you, Rick, seen the counseling movement grow and change over the past 40 years? Well, that's what I want to talk about in this podcast. Thank you for joining me for the podcast. This is Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. If you would like to talk to me or ask a question like this, you can go to our website, rickthomas.net. Say, hey, Rick, I have a question for you. You do that on the public forum if you're not a supporting member. If you are a supporting member, go to our private forum and you can ask there. Either place will work. Public forum, private forum, ask any question under the sun. Well, we receive questions every day about something, and this one here is about becoming a biblical counselor. Did you know that you can become a certified biblical counselor through our organization? You can. We have a two-year training program, a mastermind program, which is what I call it, but the name is not important. What's important is the quality of the training. We call it a mastermind program. It takes about two years to go through it. You can choose at the end of our training to go on and be certified as a biblical counselor. If you want to talk about that or have questions about that, well, I'll be glad to answer that question as well. We have a drop-down on our site called Mastermind Training, and you can click on that drop-down, and there is a ton of information there about our certification program, the mechanics of it, the nuts and bolts. There's also a lengthy section on Q&A where people have asked questions over the years. And what I've done is I've answered those questions and put them on the Mastermind Training page, the introduction page that tells you about our program. And so if you read through all of that, and there's a half a dozen or so podcasts that you can also listen to, you can count that as your first homework assignment, reading all that content, listening to the podcast. But I, I really have all that information out there, and there is a lot of it. But I do that because I want the person to come into our program with their eyes wide open. I want them to know what they're getting themselves into. And and then if you still have questions afterward, well, you can ask that. We don't close the door on anyone. And and so you can ask questions on our forums. I do ask that you do not send me an email. I get a ton of email traffic about other things. There's a whole other side to our ministry. The thousands of people that participate in our ministry are only familiar with the front side of it, the resources that they consume on a daily basis, whether they're watching a video or listening to a podcast like this one, or they're reading one of the uh, 2,000 articles that we have on the site. Those are the people that see it from the front end. But on the back side, there's a whole nother world that you're not privileged to, you don't have access to, and of course, you don't really need, but there's a whole nother, it's kind of like Disney World. You get to enjoy the benefits above ground, but below ground, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of hallways and rooms and things that you will never see. Well, that's what my email is for. That's where I run the business of ministry. But if you got something that you want to talk about, please go on our public forums and you can ask about it. And again, if you are a supporting member, go on our private forums and you can ask, like, say, about 
how to become a biblical counselor, how to become certified, or in this case, what what is your perspective on how you've seen the counseling movement grow and change over the past 40 years? Now, if you want to read a transcript of this podcast, go to rickthomas.net, and then the title of this podcast and that article is called Counseling Today, Standing on Jay's Shoulders. And so this question is excellent, and I'm glad that the person asked. And by the way, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, I do take a question and I work it up into an article because the question is so relevant to so many people, and that's what I did with this question. They just ask a simple question, and so I wrote a 2,000-word response that you can read on the website, Counseling Today, Standing on Jay's Shoulders, and of course you're listening to that 2,000-word article right now. And so as you delve into the world of biblical counseling, it would serve you well to understand the movement from the past, present, and future perspectives, especially if you're thinking about training and before you decide on your training. One of the good things about church history is how different people have been raised up through the years to highlight things that the church needed to consider, needed to change, needed to move forward in their thought. Our creeds and our confessions demonstrate this idea as they, they moved us along in thought and became part of the greatest, a greater corpus of Christian doctrine. So at different times during church history, we, we adopted a creed because we needed to focus on this particular area. And as you study the biblical counseling movement, you will notice a similar process. No one man has been able to bring omni-thought all thought, omniscience, omni-thought, and application to this discipline. And so as the question implies, it has been a movement, not a singular action by anyone, but a movement where the Lord has raised up many people who have cooperated with each other for the greater good of this discipline. The discipline that we're talking about is progressive sanctification. And so let's go back to the beginning the writer or the asker here said 40 years over the biblical counseling movement, and that's about right. We're a little bit beyond that now, but it's been 40 to 45 years since the uh, creation of this idea of biblical counseling. The biblical or Christian counseling movement began with a single individual, and I think most of you who are familiar with the biblical counseling movement know that that person is Jay Adams. Like spokes leading to a hub, no matter where you start thinking about the Christian counseling world, you will find Jay Adams at its center. He is the de facto starting point. Now, Jay would probably shrink back from such high praise, but nevertheless, it's true. God decided to raise Jay up as his man to draw attention to this discipleship breakdown that was occurring in God's church. And Jay's greatest achievement and most profound usefulness to the body of Christ was starting the modern-day 
biblical counseling movement. He is considered, and rightfully so, the father of the movement. And I have the utmost respect for Jay Adams. He started, I can't even imagine what it was like for him to start something that not only did not exist, but was hated by so many non-Christian people. For me personally, my fondest memory of him was a private lunch in the small town where he lived, by the way, is contiguous to where I live. We live just a few miles apart. And I met him one afternoon for lunch, and he is one of the most humble men you would ever want to meet. Now, if you haven't met him privately and you've only heard him from a preaching perspective back when he had better health and uh, was really tearing up the circuit as far as preaching is concerned. He was booming and authoritative. But the man away from the pulpit was more relaxed. He was considerate and winsome, and I truly enjoyed meeting him over lunch. Jay is an icon in the counseling world. It's a cliche, but I'm compelled to say it anyway. He has forgotten more than I'll ever know in the area of counseling. I've read many of his books and was trained partially by one of his direct disciples, or disciples, sorry, one of his students, Wayne Mack, when I went to the Master's University now in Santa Clarita, California, to earn my MA in biblical counseling. Dr. Mack was a wonderful man who trained me in part. He was one of my profs there, and he was a direct disciple of Jay Adams. And so that's how it all began back around 1969. Of course, it began before that in Jay's mind as he began doing the work before he wrote and published the book Competent to Counsel. But the biblical counseling movement has matured through the years. What Jay laid down for us was the beginnings of a positive evolution process for discipleship. Now, you may be familiar with the hermeneutical spiral as it pertains to counseling or as it pertains to a concept. The hermeneutical spiral is a, a periodic revisiting of a biblical topic by running it back through the grid of Scripture to refine the idea. And so the beginning of the spiral is at its farther reaches. And each time you push a concept through the grid, the circle becomes smaller and smaller and smaller as it moves toward the center. And the more often you run psychology, secular psychology, through a scriptural grid, the more precision you bring to the subject, okay? And so the hermeneutical spiral is, is taking the idea of secular psychology, which is what Jay did, and he ran it through a biblical grid. And what came out on the other side of that grid w was a biblical way of thinking of psychology as opposed to a secular way. And so you keep running it through over and over again through that grid, and it becomes more refined and tighter and more precise and, precise and cleaner, and, and it winds to, to moves toward the center. It moves from out in the cold toward the center, and it becomes really precise, and that is the, the, uh, the hermeneutical spiral. Let me give you an oversimplified illustration of the hermeneutical spiral as it pertains to biblical counseling. God raised Jay up for the specific purpose of identifying where discipleship had gone wrong in the local church. And he determined the secular world had become the new guardians of soul care. 
He disagreed with this notion, as I do too, and he began developing a body of work that identified the Bible as sufficient for soul care and the Christian as the rightful executioner of this discipline. What Jay did was the first time psychology, as we know know it today, was pushed through the grid of Scripture. And when he did, a lot of stuff fell off that wagon. This process set in motion the biblical counseling movement. And what came out the other side after he pushed it through that grid was his book, Competent to Counsel, which was nothing less than a revolution within the psychological community, both secular and the church. Jay's work was as phenomenal as it was bold. Jay brought counseling in from the cold, and he put the local church on alert that counseling was its job. You could say Jay was, the, was to the counseling world what Martin Luther was to the evangelical world. He was a trailblazer. He was a pioneer. And then came John Calvin. Disciples of Jay began to pop up throughout the church. Wayne Mack was one of those stalwarts whose contribution to the evolution of biblical counseling has affected thousands of souls, including mine. As I shared earlier, he was one of my profs. But during these early years, CCEF, Christian Counseling Educational Foundation, sprung up behind Jay's influence and impact. And one of the major players in this group then and now was David Pallison. In my opinion, David Pallison is the foremost thinker in the biblical counseling movement today. What Calvin was to Luther, David Pallison has laid down many innovative and ingenious layers to the work of J. Adams. Through David's work and our friends at CCEF, the hermeneutical spiral gained more precision because David essentially ran Jay's work through the hermeneutical spiral and it became tighter and more precise. For example, his article, Pallison's article, Idols of the Heart and Vanity Fair, is classic. A profound article, a profound treatment of the idolatries of the heart. David Pallison brought the heart more into focus. It's not that Jay avoided the heart, not at all. Jay's work, especially his Theology of Christian Counseling textbook, goes to great lengths in helping us understand the inner machinations of a person's soul. So he did not dismiss this or set it aside. It was important to Jay, but Jay had a, a broader and, and, and larger challenge ahead of him. He was doing a comprehensive work. And so the key for Pallison is he, he did not have to create the plethora of work that Adams did. And he was not required to be a, as comprehensive in laying down a foundational worldview for counseling. And so Jay was a unique historical figure called to work with or work from an ex nihilo starting point out of nothing. He had to make something out of nothing. And just as Calvin came along to bring more precision to what Luther did, Pallison and team, Pallison and others came alongside Adams. And through collaboration, David was able to push further into the deeper theology, into a deeper theology of the heart. CCF ran Jay's work through the hermeneutical spiral. More precision was brought to Jay's immense body of work as the spiral tightened. 
The process was not a deviation from Jay's work, but an extension of it. And that is the second generation of biblical counselor. Jay laid it down. Others stood on his shoulders and brought refinement to it. And now we are at a third generation. That would be me, as I am a disciple of of Wayne Mack and others. The biblical counseling movement parallels our sanctification. It is not static, but fluid. We all change, grow, and mature. And as we stand here today, over 40 years past Jay's groundbreaking work, there have been more positive advancements in the movement. Currently, there is a third generation of biblical counselors who are standing on the shoulders of Luther and Calvin, and I would be in this number. I trust we will be good stewards of what these men and women have done before us. The greatest honor, I believe, that we could bestow on them is to continue to be tenacious about the sufficiency of Scripture and how it, and how it can be practically applied to any person's life to bring about measurable and objective change internally and externally. And so for this third generation of biblical counselor, there have been two points of emphasis that I would highlight on our watch. At least they are important to me. And as we run biblical counseling back through the hermeneutical spiral, two things manifest, which gives us more as to how we do counseling. The first thing is, is the primary motive for change. The primary motive for change is the gospel. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. The second one is the primary context for change. There are two primary contexts in order. First, the family, and then the local church. Because families make up the church, so you don't get that backwards. The family is more important than the church in that sense because the family makes up the local church, a functional local church. I'm not talking about the body of Christ. And so this third generation of counselor is focusing on the motive for change, the gospel, and the context for change, the family, or context, the family, and the local church. Now let's talk about our motive. Over the past 10 years, there has been renewed and necessary emphasis on the gospel as it pertains to sanctification. Gospel-centered counseling literature is something you did not read a lot about before the, the year 2000. We are relearning and rethinking how the gospel should have a supreme effect on our counseling. You could say a supreme effect on our sanctification. This concept is not a new way to counsel, but it is how Christ and his friends taught us to do soul care. By the way, if you read the article that I have here for this podcast, I have I put a lot of text in nearly all of my a lot of scripture text in nearly all of my articles and at this point talking about how Christ and his friends counseled or discipled I have several texts here John 3:30, Romans 11:36, 1 Corinthians 2:20. Ephesians 5, 1, and Philippians 3, 8 through 11. 
the most succinct definition of the gospel is is Christ. If you were to define the gospel in one word, the gospel, that word would be Christ. He is the gospel, as we hear about in Genesis 3.15, where God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, a picture of Christ. He is the good news. He is the central point and main theme of the Bible. He is the one the biblical counselor points to. Christ is the one that God forms in us. The gospel, the good news is Jesus Christ in the most uh, succinct way of saying it. Christ is the beginning and the end. He will be the one we worship throughout eternity. Knowing and imitating him is the number one priority in biblical counseling. Knowing Christ and modeling Christ. That is every biblical counselor's number one priority. That is the goal that they want to lead the counselee to. And Jay gave us a massive framework which went deep and wide. But he did more. He inspired us as much as he released us to do what the Bible has always called us has always called us to do, and that is to disciple other people. And then David Pallison and others, second-generation counselors, continued Jay's thought by drilling down to give us an even more nuanced understanding of the heart. Today, we all are giving more thought and resources to establishing Christ as the centerpiece of a sanctification work, and that is the work of the third-generation counselor. We are learning how to connect the gospel to all of life. Now, something interesting that you may want to do, I have several articles here linked in this site. Uh, they're all called, they're called Gospel Connections, and they're articles written, and here's the titles, Connecting the Gospel to Music, Connecting the Gospel to Perfectionism, Connecting the Gospel to Babysitting, Connecting the Gospel to Paul's Suffering, Connecting the Gospel to Physical Suffering, Connecting the gospel to being left alone, connecting the gospel to God being silent, connecting the gospel to evil and unfairness. I wrote all of those articles titled that way and written that way so that the reader can learn how to make these gospel connections, connecting the life of Christ to the life, the practical life that we live even babysitting. And so the motive of change is the gospel. That is a, a third-generation biblical counselor emphasis. And then the other is the place for change. One of the most profound things Jay did was tell us that we can counsel each other. Now, though it's quite plain in the Scriptures, the church lost focus as they brought the secular lie how psychology belonged to science rather than the church. This seemingly new revelation stirred many individuals within the church, but it did not shake the church the way the church needed shaking. And just because Jay ran the Christian counseling flag up the pole, the world did not surrender. Their response was to write the DSM 1, 2, 3, 4, and, and now the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which is their Bible in its fifth iteration. They have no contingency for going away. 
They have one goal, to fully establish themselves as the sole caregivers for the human community while making gobs of money in the process. Though there was a groundswell within the church among some people, the greater body of Christ still does not know their domain and discipleship sanctification is under siege. And the quote, end quote, smart people in the world, how they revoked their biblical rights to provide soul care. The church, by and large, believes that the smart people have revoked their rights to provide soul care. If you talk to the average Christian about counseling, he will tell you more about the world's worldview than the Bible's. Through mass media and public education, the average Christian has fully bought the lie. Families and local churches, for the most part, do not know how to walk an individual through a sanctification issue. Look around your small group. How well is your small group walking each other through their problems? Nobody has equipped them for this good work. And the oddity is most Christians do not know they lack in this area. Discipleship and the church are in a bad spot today. Elevating the church's awareness, how sanctification, counseling, or discipleship, those are synonyms in my view, begins in the home and continues in our local churches is essential. And so to wrap this up, the movement then and now, to come full circle, I see the Christian counseling movement as always maturing by gaining more and more precision as we continue to rethink the most biblically effective ways to do soul care. Jay Adams and company built a beautiful superstructure and filled it with incredible resources. David Pallison and friends made great studies in heart motivations, worship structures, manifold idolatries, and, and careful biblical introspection. I hope my main contribution to the Christian counseling movement is a heightened awareness of the gospel, Christ, regarding our motive and model for change. I also want to join my many counselor friends who looped back around to Jay's big vision of how every Christian can, to varying degrees, do the work of soul care. I long to see families and churches learning how to apply the Word of God to real-life situations practically. My students at our Mastermind program tell me over and again how the hardest part of the program is to take sound theology and practically apply it to real-life situations. And without exception, this is the sticking point for all of our students. They love and understand the Bible, theology. They enjoy and devour good books on sanctification, psychology. Their problem is when they are asked to take their theology plus what they know about psychology, and I'm interpreting that as, as, as biblical sanctification, and make it practically real in someone's life. This practical connection is their primary challenge. And so I hope this helps to give you an overview of the biblical counseling movement. I realize it's like a rock skipping across the pond, but may the Lord motivate you to put your toe in the pond and begin training. It would be a joy to become your trainer over the next few years if you are interested in our Mastermind program. If you don't pursue our training, you may want to consider becoming a member of our membership site, a supporting member. This option is a less daunting, is a less intense, is less, ex- is a less expensive way to gain valuable training as well as engage a vibrant community of Christ-like disciple makers. You can do that for as little as $5 a month. 
that can work. But as you continue to think about these things, please take the time. And I have articles here that I would love for you to read. Go to this article, Counseling Today, Standing on Jay's Shoulders. And at the bottom, I have six more articles in addition to those Gospel Connection articles that were embedded in this one. And they will help you to keep turning this multifaceted thing we call biblical counseling around and around and around. And with each turn... You will be amazed and inspired. You'll be equipped and you will be made competent to counsel. And so thank you for asking the question, how has the counseling movement grown and changed over the past 40 years? I hope this helps, but as I've said, this is not an exhaustive reflection on 40-plus years of biblical counseling. It is a rock skipping across the water. And so perhaps you do have other questions that you want to ask. I would love for you to ask them. And so come to our website, rickthomas.net. If you're a non-supporting member, go to the public forum and ask. Get your username and your password, and then you can access the forums. And, and we can continue this discussion, and it would be fantastic if you are a supporting member, go to the private forums and, and let's continue talking about it. And if you want to learn more about our Mastermind program, well, that link is here within this article. But you can find it uh, in the navigation bar of our website. And I would appeal to you to read all of it, everything on there, and then listen to all the podcasts as well. And then that will help you to make a decision as to whether this training would be good for you. And so if we can help you with anything else, please let us know. We have counseling services. We have folks that will meet with you. In fact, that's happening right now as I'm doing this podcast in another state. And we counsel all over the world. If we could serve you that way, it would be a joy to do that too. Thanks so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.